Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Threepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to Royals Review Radio, uh, episode 13 here. Uh, we are, of course, Royals Review, uh, the Royals SB Nation series of blogs, home of the 2015 World Series champions, uh, back-to-back AL champions as well there. Uh, I'm your usual co-host, Sean Newkirk, here joined by my co-co-host here with uh, Matthew Lamar joining us. Matt? Co-co-host? Co-co-host. Yes. Co-host? Okay. I, I'm not go. your co-host and you're not mine. We're co-together co-host. Um, no, let's be honest. I'm your assistant at this point. I've okay. missed a number of uh, podcasts due to rehearsals and whatnot. I'm Conan. He's, he's Andy. Yeah, sure. Let's go with that. Cool. Um, and, of course, we're always pleasurably joined by our overlord, uh, Max Reaper. Max. I, I guess that makes me triumph the insult comic dog. I don't, I don't know how I fit in that equation. Or does it? Um, it was Craig Ferguson's robot thing. Jeff. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. You gotta <laughs> stay up there. It's too late for you. Could be Les Moonves, the 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 owner of CBS. You know. Sure. Well, yeah, let's go with that. Okay. You're, you're as rich as him, right? <laughs> you you guys are on the same. Yeah, we're in the same income bracket. I'm sure. I figured that 35 percent bracket. Yeah. Okay. Good. It's, well. Um, Again, unless you're sleeping under the rock, you, you you miss something because I think this team just won the World Series. Am I right on that, guys? Um, yes, I yes, just there. You were you there? Were. <laughs> no, I oh. would. I wish. Oh, wish you were there. Yes, yes. I it, wish I was there. Yeah, oh. Royals won in five games, pretty convincingly over the Mets. And I mean, I kind of thought that the Mets pitching would really kind of beat us in the ground a little bit more than they did. But uh, I mean, that just you know wasn't the case. They won in. Uh, four games, thanks to a little bullpen help, a little mismanagement by Collins, a couple errors, um, as I kind of wrote about. But well, man. they won in five games. Oh, five games! Yeah, that's right. They did. They won four games. Won four that, games. That is yeah. true. That's technically the the amount you have to win to win yes, the World it, Series. It is. It's the minimum, at least. <laughs> the minimum. minimum. Some teams have won five or even six games. Yep. Yeah. The minimum is four games. But yeah, uh, very exciting for for the Royals here, uh, Max. Takeaways. I mean, what did you, you know, if you could maybe ballpark it, what did you like about the World Series? What's your big takeaway other than, yeah, we won? I mean, is there any very important event that you liked or anything that kind of stood out for you? Well, yeah, the, first of all, winning the World Championship is pretty pretty awesome. It's, yeah. uh, you know, for a fan base that's gone through, you know, baseball hell for, you know, the last 20, 30 years, I just feels really, I mean, I really don't know. I, I didn't know how I'd feel when they, when I saw Wade Davis throw his glove up in the air and, and the Royals were, were champions. They got that last out. And, uh, you know, I was kind of overwhelmed with, 
you know, just feelings, just, you know, I, I didn't, I was almost mad at myself. I wasn't more excited. Like I was just kind of, I was in shock. Like, yeah. Oh my God. This, our team is like, this team has finally won a world championship. That's so, so amazing. So, uh, you know, takeaways. Um, I guess we got to talk about the Hosmer play. I mean, that the Roy, it's one of those plays where I think I was yelling at my TV screen. No, no, no. <laughs> yes. Yes. Like, well, you brilliant bastard. Um, I mean, I think, I think the Royals are getting a lot of, I guess, kudos for being so aggressive on the base pads. But on the other hand, if Duda, Lucas Duda makes a good throw, I think we're kind of, yeah. you know, Hosmer, you would have been kind of a goat in that series with a couple of bad errors. I think we're, he's, you know, maybe even more of a goat, especially if the Royals somehow blow that series. Yeah. Um, you know, it ends up, he, he makes kind of the play of the series and, and the whole thing turns on that, that play. But uh, yeah, whatever, it's just, you know, and the Royals are, you know, they're taking a lot of credit for scouting the Mets and, and saying they knew to run on Duda's arm. And I don't know how much I want to believe that. You know, I think it was kind of a lucky play, but uh, I don't know. What, what's your take? Do you think it was, I've seen a little bit of debate on how close that play would have been had it been a good throw. Do you guys, are you guys kind of on this page that it was a stupid play or was it a kind of a smart play and that it would have been a kind of a tough play to make it home? I don't know. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of hard to tell because, you know, on, on first glance, like you look at it and it's, it's just one of those, you, what are you doing? And like, um, their interview on Jimmy Fallon, um, did you, either of you watch that? I did. Yes. Yeah. And, and Fallon said he, interestingly, Fallon, you know, criticized the, uh, the announcers for saying, oh, that was a great move. Yeah. And Fallon was like, what are you doing? And Hosmer basically admitted after the first two steps, he was like, yeah, this is a bad idea. <laughs> so for what it's worth, Hosmer himself did not think it was a good idea. Yeah. However, when there's a specific angle of the play itself that, um, I think it's from like behind the first base, um, it's somewhere behind the first base and somebody put a gif of it and um it looked to me like a lot closer on second glance because even if it's a good play he has to uh or you know perfect throw the the catcher has to catch it make a turn and apply the tag Mm -hmm. and you know they don't do that instantly they do that um you know not it's not instantly so i don't think it i think he probably would have been out but i think had he made a good throw, he still might have been safe. And that's something that I did not think when I first watched it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and baseball analyst god, uh, Tom Tango, uh, writer of the book. Or Tom Tango? Yeah, Tango. Um, he he mentioned that Hosmer had to only have – I mean, the play, two things. One, he probably should have gone further down the line. I think it was one thing that I saw. Because right, right. Yeah. Uh, Wright was way off, wasn't even close to third base to cover. And then he only the break even on that was like 30%, they were saying, anywhere from 25 to 30%. So, I mean, he had to just have real low odds. To, I mean, the odds were huge in his favor that he should have gone, you know, in that instance there. Uh, I think they overplayed a bit on the Duda scouting thing because yeah. uh, Duda never throws the ball home. I, I There was a Fangraphs article about it. It said that I think in his entire career he's thrown the ball home like twice. Um, it's so, I mean, unless they were there, those two instances, then it, you know it's pretty spectacular for them having to be there uh, for that. But yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I I agree, Matt, Max. I was saying, no, no, what are you doing? What are you doing? And then yeah, there you go. Stuff works out. It's one of the ten one of the ten breaks that it takes to uh, <laughs> to win a World Series. I don't think that was on the list, but that's one of those that it's good fortune, you know. Uh, and that's kind of the Royals' motto for the whole year has been good fortune. 
What's it really interesting as far as that game specifically is, you know, that game was really bad for a long time. They just couldn't do anything against Matt Harvey, you know, and he wasn't perfect, but they, you know, couldn't do anything. Yeah. Couldn't score against him. And there was some really terrible, um, you know, played approaches. Yeah. Um, and I was, what's interesting is I was thinking um, during the game, I was so mad at Eric Cosmer, so mad because he had been so, so bad this postseason. Um, apart from, you know, that weird RBI thing where yeah. he has like the most RBIs since Mozart right. wrote his 40th Symphony or whatever in the playoffs. Um, not a thing. I wish it was a thing, but it's not a thing. Um, other than that, like he was terrible. Like yes. he didn't hit, he didn't hit for power. He struck out a huge amount. He didn't walk a lot. He didn't hit for a lot of average. So, and then and those two crucial errors, yeah. errors yeah. he made. Yeah, so he was just the worst. And I was going to write this really scathing, scathing article that I, you know, didn't end up writing because yeah, of uh, Royals double magic. Yeah, yeah, he was really, he was really, really bad. And and yeah, people underestimate how terrible he was. He, he was had, like twenty three WRC plus. Like that's Tony Pena Jr. with one hand levels yeah. of offense. Let's see, 212 batting average, 236 OBB, 288 slugging for the whole playoffs, not just the World Series. But he was right. just terrible. I mean, and that's um, – and, yeah, he set – I think he now owns, like, the Royals franchise record for RBIs in uh, a single playoff. I think that's a stat. I'm pretty sure it is. Um, and yet he hit 23 WRC plus. You know, I mean, it, it's they were all ground outs. They, not, like, almost none of them came on. Yeah, his. he was. Yeah, I think he only I, had one hit without without runners with runners no runners on base. Right. And then when runners got on base, all of a sudden he was like Mister Clutch. Let's see, one double. Uh, but even two not all that much clutch, right? He yeah. his hits were just like ground balls through the hole, right? Yeah. right. He without, was sticking his, his butt out and poking it over left field. Right. Unbelievable. Yeah, his um. I, I feared that he would be entering one of his phases of just total cold hitting when the playoffs started. Yeah. That just happened for months at a time for, for no reason. It just happened. He can't hit anything that's not on the ground. He swings at everything. and But whatever. So they won. Yeah. It's hard, hard to be unhappy. Yeah, speaking of not cold hitters, um, Salvador Perez, uh, local – not local, but hometown boy, fa- fan favorite, Sal Perez – not Alex Rios. How, how great would it have been if Alex Rios won the MVP? But instead, it's Sal Perez that wins the World Series MVP. Uh, he, his batting line real quick was, for the World Series, uh, 364, 391, 455. So pretty good slash line there. You know, almost a, a 400 uh, OBP, which is outstanding for Salvador Perez. Um, yes. He even took a walk in the, in this series. Uh, just one walk. Um he seems like he was the MVP. I, I can't think of anybody else that performed as well as he did, and it's hard to keep track of that kind of thing over a five-game series, really, unless someone goes Daniel Murphy hot, I feel like. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, he seems like it's the easy candidate for MVP, no? Yeah, there there was no real real easy – like, he, he was a good candidate, um, but there wasn't – like you said, there wasn't like a Daniel Murphy type. But even, you know, there wasn't, um, you know, somebody who just – had a couple of really good hits and a couple of home runs, right? You know, like, yeah. I think Alex Gordon was one home run away from winning MVP, right? I, I forget what game it was, but there was one instance in which the he had runners on and could have scored the game-winning, you know, RBI. And I thought, if he gets this, you know, he's going to get MVP. Yeah. Um, ben Zobris was also a good guy. Like, he was just doubles machine, right? 
It was Billy yes. Butler incarnate. Yeah, in four doubles. The playoffs. In the yeah. World Series. Four doubles in five games. Yeah, you know what? Zoprist, yeah, looking at the leaders, Perez had the most hits, um, didn't have any home runs, but actually took a walk, didn't strike out. So, yeah. Yeah, I was, but, you know, you, the Salvador Perez over Ben Zobris, you know, Perez has got his hand in, you know, every yeah, pitch, right. too, and there's that factor of it, so. Was it like I think Gordon, too, was hit, you know, he had a big hit home run, obviously, in game one, which I think helped his narrative quite a bit, but then he ended up hitting only 222, but his on-base percentage matches Salvador Perez at 391, because Gordon drew so many walks, and some of those walks came in pretty clutch situations, yeah. so. I I was torn between Gordon Perez and I think Zobras too, maybe even Wade Davis to an extent. But uh, I have no problems with Perez getting it. But I think Gordon had a pretty strong case as well. Yeah, Davis was tied. Davis threw four innings and he struck out more batters than all the other starters did over, over this <laughs> three. And he only pitched yeah three games, four innings, eight strikeouts. So he struck out two batters per inning uh, when, when he pitched there. And that he was really good, and he's a good pitcher. That's pretty good. Who unfortunately yeah. is not relief that came out today, right? Reliever of the year. I think that I think I saw that he officially wasn't nominated, or didn't, or was that a couple days back? That it was a, a week or two ago, okay. I guess. But or no, it wasn't. Was it, was it a, during well, the he didn't win the uh, Mariana Rivera award? But I think they said that only goes to closers, and he didn't save enough games, I guess. Oh. And then there was a there. Was, I think there's also a reliever of the year, and I yeah. think Andrew Miller won that. Something one. happened today. That's what I'm saying. And it was yeah, Andrew Miller. I, I, yeah, it's kind of ridiculous. And okay. he's over the last two years now, he has an ERA under one, which is unheard of, with an absurd amount of strikeouts. I yeah. mean, to say that guy is not the reliever of the year is really not paying attention to <laughs> baseball. Um, yeah, a, a fun stat about um, Wade Davis that I that I found. Um, I think a, a couple of weeks ago, he's got the lowest ERA um, with, out of any reliever with at least 240 innings pitched in the history of baseball. Like there are zero other relievers with as many innings as Wade Davis that have a lower ERA. Wow! Just like for the career. Yeah, for their career, zero. You guys so, remember and, how bad he was as a starter too? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that remarkable? Yeah. yeah. And that's what it seems like most dominant closers are. You yeah. Know, starter, you know, converts, but. Yeah, you know what? Thank you, uh, Fried- it was Friedman. Yeah, thank you, Andrew Friedman at the time for giving us, you know, the key to the Will Myers trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wade Davis. It's turned out really well in that capacity, in, in a different capacity than expected, but in a capacity and one that was needed there. Uh, so, with the off season being, or excuse me, with the World Series being over, we now get to move into the off season, um, which means the Royals have a whole bunch of different choices they've got to make not only from players uh coming in filling holes but those holes that need to be filled by players leaving um one such name that i'm sure we're all sad to see go is alex gordon who the royals did offer a qualifying offer which i think it's somewhere in like 15 and a half 15.8 million i want to say so yeah a pretty sizable contract to turn down of course he does only for one year um guys if if this was if this is the end of, of the royals gordon Alex Gordon tenure for the Royals, he was still pretty dang good. I mean, it, it's still it's sad, but we could look back on it in pretty good fashion, pretty good manner, right? Absolutely. I've been I've been kind of surprised at the reaction on Twitter about the possibility of him leaving. That it's not been like universally, you know, oh, he's just a money grubber out yeah. to get the top. You know, there's a lot of people like it seem pretty understanding. Like, you know, if this is it, we understand, and we've had some good times, and. I, you know, you got to do what's best for you, and you know, 
you know, best wishes. Thanks for helping us win a World Series. And I, you know, probably because he helped win a World Series and 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 he was here and he did sign a you know he did sign a long term deal that kept him here through his age what thirty one thirty two year age season. So he was here for a while. Other than like you know maybe Johnny Damon who was only here until a year and a half away from free agency. Uh, so it, you know, I'm kind of impressed with how well the fan base is has almost accepted if you know if he is if he does in fact leave and it seemed like uh sam mellinger and andy mccullough the star both seem to think that gordon's pretty much gone yeah. so uh yeah i think i think he'll be a royals hall of famer uh, and uh he'll have a pretty good legacy as a guy you know he won a world championship uh and was a you know multiple all-time all-star and gold glove winner so i that's there's not too many guys in franchise history that can say that oh yeah is, is he a hall of famer for you matt for the royals you think oh yeah I yeah, I mean, the, the question is whether or not his number should be retired. Um, but, you know, that's maybe a discussion for another day. If Or, you know, if he decides to leave, maybe we can have that discussion. Yeah. I would like to prefer to think that he will be here forever. Yeah. Definitely a no-brainer, offering the qualifying off, offering him the qualifying offer. Um, man, and there's been a lot of speculation on what exactly maybe the Royals are doing. I, I, and correct me if you guys don't feel the same, but I feel like it's kind of Dayton, and, and I don't know if David Glass's opinion has been on it, but at least from what we've heard, Dayton's kind of basically said, and even Ned a little bit has said, yeah, you know, we know money's money. You know, we want to resign Alex, but it's probably not the cards money-wise unless Alex wants to give us a discount. That seems like it's kind of the general consensus, but, I, I mean, do you guys get that same idea, or are you thinking that – he might take a discount. I've heard that bandied about, but I, I just don't think that's true. It's hard to tell. It. Really, I yeah. think. Yeah. Um, th- that's basically all I have. I think it's hard to tell. Could, I could, think maybe if, he, if they give him a competitive offer that's not as high as the you know, highest offer, then maybe he would sign here. But I get the sense they don't want to give a five-year offer, which yeah. is what he's going to get. And, you know, I my sense is they, they have an aversion to long-term deals. Yeah. And if they're going to give a long-term deal to someone, it's going to be someone on the right side of age 30, which means probably a guy before they're hitting free agency. And the Royals have virtually the entire team eligible for free agency after 2017. So my guess is they're trying to save up their money to, to lock up Lorenzo Cain, to lock up uh, Eric Hosmer if that's possible, lock up Mike Moustakas if, if they want to keep him, uh, to lock up uh, you know Salvador Perez in his next contract. Uh, so I, you know, signing Alex Gordon through his age 37, 38 year, I think is not something they're really looking forward to. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, if Alex Gordon wants to take a three-year deal, I think they'd be happy to do that. If he wants a five-year deal, I think he's probably going to have to end up playing somewhere else. Would you guys do a four-year deal with, uh, an opt-out, a player opt-out after two years? I would do any number of deal to keep Alex Gordon. Yeah. Like, I, I think a four-year deal would be whatever. fair. Yeah, I think a four-year deal works. I, I do a four-year deal even with like some sort of vesting option for the fifth season. Yeah, uh, but it, you know, it just comes it comes down to you know how much guaranteed money does Alex Gordon want? I mean, we've seen you know well, with a lot of these long-term deals, you're pretty much paying for the first couple of years because the last year or two is probably going to be a turd for you. I mean, yeah. we've seen that. I mean, look around base. Look at the Angels right now. I mean, they're carrying so much dead weight in that roster. It looks like Albert Pujols isn't going to be ready for the opening uh, yeah. opening day now and. They're carrying C.J. Wilson, who's coming off an injury, and uh, they're still paying Josh Hamilton, who's not even on the team. I mean, you, I mean, those, these big market teams get killed by, by that. I mean, they can afford it to get killed by that, but yeah. uh, you know, we can't get afford, we can't afford to get they have these kind of that kind of dead weight. So, 
uh, you know, I kind of understand why the Royals don't want to take on that kind of contract. Uh, at the same time, you know, they have more revenues than they've ever had before, and uh, hopefully they can renegotiate a bigger deal in 2019 for their TV contract. So, you know, I, they, it's harder It's harder for them to cry poor these days. Yeah, and speaking of, and just kind of off the top of my head, I, was, I just tweeted earlier today, uh, this year is the start of Miguel Cabrera's $248 million oh. extension. Oof. This started year. Justin Verlander's extension too, I right? Right, and of course the Royals can't spend that money, but that's just insane, and that's great for the Royals because the Tigers are probably going to be crippled with those. Con- I mean, there's just no way. And Cabrera's already been hurt. I mean, he'll be probably. I mean, he'll be definitely be good for the next few years. But man, you owe this guy another, you know, nearly 250 million dollars over, you know, 2022 or something like that. It's just an insanely long deal. Um, Phillies, you know, look at Ryan Howard. They're yeah. still going to pay him one more year. And yeah. It's been pretty worthless the last couple seasons. And, you know, Chase Utley and Jimmy Hall Rollins weren't very good at the end. Cliff Lee and yeah. all those guys, you know, it just doesn't work out in the end. So, what do you guys think that the cap would be for, for Gordon? Uh, the, the most kind of said number somewhere five year, 90 million, four year, 90 million. You know, you could get him on the higher AAV at the lower. He's probably going to get somewhere around 90 million. The question is how many years. But I think the Royals' cap. I mean, do we think the Royals can afford to spend ninety million dollars, even, even on Alex Gordon, or you know, yeah, player? I think I think so. Yeah, my philosophy with um, Gordon is that look, every uh, decision that has to be made, and you can bet that this is what's happening. Every decision has to be made with respect to the twenty eighteen season, which is when everybody is gone, and so. And it's not it, the thing is it's not just a couple people. It's Duffy, Mustakas, Hosmer, Kane, Escobar, Davis, Herrera, maybe? Yes. Yep. That's a lot of this core, right? That's your top two relievers, your five or four position players, and one of your starting pitchers that will all be gone in the same year. And so you have to either think about winning as much as you can. Um, until you get done and then deal with it later, or you got to think about restocking, you know. And my philosophy with Gordon is I think the Royals should pay whatever they want, backload the contracts. So once all of those other contracts get off the books at the same time, mm-hmm. then they'll be able to pay for it. I think when people think of contracts, they think, you know, if he's getting, you know, $80 million a year for four years, he's going to get $20 million a year. Well, that's not necessarily true. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think the Royals could give overpay for Gordon on a backloaded deal and that would be of a lot of worth to the team because in 2020 they won't have anybody like to pay so why not pay Gordon 22 million dollars even if he's not worth it for an, another two seasons of a really 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 good player in your competitive window that's my philosophy so I yeah. would practically overpay for Gordon on a um, deal that puts the most money at the end on and the back right. of the contract. And That's we, what I would do. Yeah. But that is only one move. And if you do that, then you might get stuck with dead money. And I don't think the Royals want to do that regardless of what other players are on their contract, which is a fair point, really. The, the tricky thing about this is there's no good way to deal with this. And you're right. There's, there's no right answer. Yeah. There's just a lot of wrong answers. And you see contracts, yeah, when you think of four-year, 80 million, you think of 20 million a year. But, yeah, most contracts just 
are all backloaded. Just a time value of money just happens to work that way. Um, that they want it to be backloaded, and I, I get what you're saying. Um, part of me just wants us to kind of cut ties, you know, and, and not lock up that money. And maybe get someone that's more cost, not cost control because he's a free agent, but someone else that um, isn't going to cost that much, you know. Especially since 2017 still needs to happen. And Max, you've been keeping uh, a pretty close eye just throughout the whole year on the the payroll obligations of the Royals for you know the next several years. What do we think? Is the max the Royals should get up to? I think 130 million. Where 130 million comes from, I don't know. But what do you guys think is kind of maybe the max that they can go up to this year? I think I think you nailed. It. I think Mellinger kind of threw that article, threw that number out in an article recently, oh. and I don't think that was necessarily thrown out, you know, arbitrarily. I think 100. Last year they began the year at 112 million. You got to think with record record for attendance and the increasing revenues from the national. TV deal, 130 million should be pretty doable. Yeah, uh, and that would still give them maybe some some leeway if they want to make another midseason acquisition. Uh, and I think Matthew's right. I think you kind of have to go all in for the next two years because there's just no one signed un- under contract except for Salvi and Yordano after 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you have to, and you know, David Glass has said that if the team is competitive. Uh, it looks like they're a contender. He'll reach into his pocket and, and go, you know, take a take a loss if he has to. Which it, it seems if you're going to do that, this is the time to do it. And I know they just won a championship, but there's no reason why you can't win two or three, right? I mean, let's have a dynasty. Yeah. Uh, because in 2018, a lot of these guys aren't going to be here anymore, and we may have to start completely over. Uh, and th- you know, David Glass can can probably make his profits then because you can, you can cut payroll to the bone if you want it to by then. Uh, so yeah, yeah, it'll be, it's, it'll be really interesting to see what strategy they take because it's it's a you know it's it's really dramatic change from 2017 to 2018. Yeah, and there's a couple of, you know you could either do the scorched earth, okay, we're going to totally rebuild in 2018, or you could start locking some of these guys up to long term deals and say, okay, we're going to keep the you know keep the band together a couple more years, or you could totally go into free agency in 2018 and say we're going to go you know totally remake this team, kind of do like almost what the Padres did with a total re- revamp of the franchise which doesn't seem like what Dayton would do but I mean that's one possibility so uh, it's yeah it's an interesting predicament that I think the Royals have coming up but uh, at least for the near future I think they should have a decent amount of, of financial leeway and it's interesting you know, we talk about Gordon and what the decision they have with him but they can really play that off of the decision they had with Ben Zobrist as well because yeah. I mean, Ben Zobrist could be a nice plan B yeah, seeing as he's able to play left field, can fill in at second base for Omar Infante if he's terrible again next year. So it'll be an interesting to see, you know, interesting to see how they play those two free agents off each other, Manny. And you know who still is going to be here in 2018? Omar Infante. That contract is, is still <laughs> going to be God. in existence at 2018. I thought it was a an op- is that an option here? It might be. Yeah. I no, mean, no, he's not guaranteed. Through, oh, is it? Oh no, he's got two more years. Oh, 2018 is the option here. Right. It is an okay. option. Okay. So he probably isn't, but I was looking at my spreadsheet. I've got to pencil in for two million. I just assumed all options get exercised. Uh, but yeah, uh, and, and that's a good point, Max. On I think I'm with you that I think I would rather sign Zobrist, take the comp pick for Alex Gordon, sign Ben Zobrist, have him play outfield. You'll, you'll probably it'll be cheaper to sign Ben Zobrist, and you might be able to get him on a three year deal rather than a four or five year five year deal. Um, but uh, I don't know. I really like Ben Zobrist, what he brings to the team, and he was magnificent in his time, you know, in Kansas City. 
Yeah, the more that I think about it, the more that I think that they're going to get Zobrist and not Gordon because Gordon's sort of on the on the border between one of those mid tier guys and um, you know the big fish, right? Like the Zach Grankies, the Cespedes of, of the world. Yeah, um, like the the big fish, yeah. and he's sort of right on the edge, right? He probably won't sign for a hundred million. Um, but he could get there. Um, you know, he's he's one of those borderline guys. But Zobris sort of strikes me as the type of mid-tier guy that the Royals really like. Somebody in the range of Omar Infante or um, the thing that reminds me of why they might go after Zobrist is because, um, remember a couple of years ago when the Royals were going after uh, Carlos Beltran, and Beltron got what three thirty nine, three forty two, something like that. Yeah, something in that range. Yeah, that it reminds me of the Carlos Beltron deal, and they got outbid, but I don't think they get outbid um, in this in this position, right? Yeah. Like the Yankees outbid them, but the Yankees haven't won a World Series last year, yeah. so obviously they've got a lot of payroll, but the Royals have you know more wiggle room, so I think. Um, I think that Zobris just becomes, you know, the, uh, I almost said Ben Carson. How did I even, um, <laughs> Carlos Beltran, because those things are similar. Um, he'll be the, the Carlos Beltran type thing. And I think they'll, they'll be able to get them if they choose to. Yeah. And, um, the Fangraphs crowdsource, which I, I really love looking at, um, kind of as a ballpark opinion, um, They've got Zobers penciled in at three years, forty-two million. I think if that's an actual contract, and I, I think he'll get a little more than that, but even three fifty is palpable for the Royals, um, given it's a shorter term deal. Yep. And what is that? That's fifteen, a little more than fifteen million a year. If my math is, is right on that, so still doable. It takes up a very large chunk of the thirty million or so they have uh, to work with. Um, which means you're kind of you need to go bargain bin shopping anyways for starting pitchers, but. It's probably really going to handcuff you if you're, you know, if you basically spent half of your total budget on one guy. Uh, but Zobris is a really good guy to spend, you know, half your total budget on. Yeah, I think he's a guy that they, the organization really likes. I mean, there's been kind of reports they've been after him for a while. And uh, yeah, I think you're right. Just having that shorter term deal is more palatable to them. Uh, and I think they just they're not going to want to go that many years on Alex Gordon. It'll be interesting to see how the market treats Gordon. Uh, you know, he's a guy that has so much of his value wrapped up in defense, and uh, you know, hey, Jason Hayward too. Jason Hayward will probably set the market for for Gordon. Uh, but you know, I don't know that the Royals value him as much as the market does necessarily. Uh, you know, and he's hitting eight for them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which kind of shows you how they evaluate his skills. So uh, it, it could be one of those things where just the you know, the, the Royals say he's not a. Ninety million, hundred million dollar player, and the market says, "Yeah, we think he is," and it's just, it's just not a good fit. Did the Royals? Did the Royals? <clears throat> we'll move on to the next player. Did the Royals win the Johnny Cueto trade? Pretty much. Can we stamp that officially now? Yeah, I think they won both trades. Yeah. If you, in in my in my mind, if you make a trade with the aim to win a World Series, and then you win a World Series with those players contributing positively, then you. Are winners of the trade, no matter what happens. Do you think it's that binary? Yeah. Yes. Okay. At least it would be a lot harder if the Royals say lost to the Mets or lost to the Astros in the first round. I think it would be a lot harder. Mm-hmm. But 
you win the World Series. Like that's why you play. That's why you play the game. You play to win, to win the game. a World Series. <laughs> and if you if you win a World Series, then by definition, you have accomplished what the total of yeah. what you can do yeah. in baseball. So I think in this situation, it's binary. But I'm just glad that the Royals came back in Game Four against Houston. We wouldn't be having a very awkward conversation about how good Sean Manaya is doing. Yeah. Which I won't talk about. Our co- the people on the on our comments don't want me to talk about him anymore. So I'm, I'm done. This <laughs> He's show. gone. Let it go. Sean Manaya, my favorite prospect of maybe all time. Uh, Max, I, I think you always covered a bit on the board that we won the Cueto trade, right? And yeah, you yeah, don't always absolutely. have to win or lose, but we we got the value out of Cueto we wanted for what we gave up. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, when it comes to evaluating trades, I always go kind of back and forth on, you know, should we judge by results or should we judge by process or should we, you know, both? Because like. I always think of like the, the Jonathan Sanchez Melky Cabrera trade, and you know I think everyone approved of that trade. It's like oh yeah, it makes some sense. Yeah. You know, Melky's probably going to be as kind of fluky, and, and Jonathan Sanchez misses bats, and man, it was just a terrible trade. But the probably the process seemed sound. And then on the flip side, maybe like the Will Myers James Shields trade, uh, you know, didn't was not you know we we panned it quite a bit, but it turns out Will Myers wasn't very good at least so far. James Shields did okay, but Wade Davis, you know, no one predicted Wade Davis would be as good as he was. And, you know, it's just kind of one of those weird things where, you, you know, you kind of lucked into a good trade, but should should you still get credit for that? So, I, you know, I don't know. Like, if Cueto had not – if the Royals don't win the World Series and Cueto doesn't pitch very well, do we still say it was a good trade because the process was sound? Like, you you are supposed to go all in when you're, you know, not a 95-win team and, and try to do, you know, try to get that kind of ace player? Or do we say, well, they they just they still didn't win because they didn't win the trade because Cueto didn't pitch very well? I don't know. It's yeah. I kind of go back and forth on that. But well, luckily that Cueto pitched well when he needed to, and the Royals won it. Also, we don't have to worry about that. Yeah, and the Royals, and kind of real off topic for a moment. The Royals don't have. I was thinking we got a comp pick for James Shields. We will get a comp pick in theory for Alex Gordon. But I, next year, I don't think we've got anybody due up that's going to be. Like Wade Davis isn't he up next year? No, he's got another. No, he's got another two more years. Yeah, okay. yeah, he's got another contract. Yeah, he's a twenty-seven. He's he's last contract is twenty seventeen. Then oh, it's Greg Holland. I'm thinking of, and he's not going to be. Yeah, you're, all right. Sure, so. so that's it. It would have been Holland. Yeah. And we'll probably talk about this more in the offseason a bit. Um, but Greg Holland, a guy we all would be interested in signing a kind of maybe a two year deal, or are we closing the book on Holland overall? Um. I'd like to see him back. Yeah, I don't think the Royals should bring him back. Just close the book. Move on. I love Greg Holland. I mean, great guy. I love the Southern grind kind of idea that he is there. But I'm happy with Wade Davis. So, yeah, I think the Royals are pretty good at putting together a bullpen through free agency and kind of low cost guys like Ryan Matson. So, you know, if Greg Holland wants to come back on a low low base deal with some incentives, uh, yeah, that's fine. But okay. uh, you know, I I think I, I trust Dayton to put together a pen without Greg yeah. Holland. So we can close the book on Johnny Cueto, absolutely not coming back. It, thank you for your service, handshakes, but it's time to move on from Cueto. Um, a really interesting name that the Royals kind of do need help here, uh, Chris Young. Uh, turned his life t- turned his life around, turned his career <laughs> around. He was a drunk, and now he's no longer a drunk. He turned his life around in Kansas City. Um, any interest in bringing him back? He's kind of curious that, He's, got, he's definitely going to cost several millions of dollars. He'd probably get a two-year deal, I would imagine, maybe in the $5 million or so dollar range. Um, what do we think about that? I mean, he's definitely a guy that I wasn't ever big on. I think he kind of 
tightrope walked the past two years, but do you guys have interest in bringing him back? At the right price, um, I, th- I think, yeah. I, you know, he is what he is um, in terms of borderline magicking his way through with the pop-up and fly ball and the, yeah. the fastball that's 90 miles an hour at the <laughs> top of the strike zone, which is just, you know, that... If there's any one thing that is a physical manifestation of Royals devil magic, it's how Chris Young throws the baseball. Right. <laughs> um, but he's he's a good fit for the Royals. Yeah. Um, and even if the Royals, well, Al- Alex Rios wasn't that great defensively. Um, so even if the Royals um, lose Gordon, they'll almost be certain to have an upgrade over Rios, and their approach seems to be pretty. Out, you know, defense first, or at least defense is a good part of it. Um, so I think the Royals will have a good outfield next year. Um, yeah, why not? I mean, sure. Kaufman is uh, is good fly ball park. Uh, the Royals good fly ball team. He's a good fly ball pitcher. He's not going to be that expensive, and that's the key. And I think I'm probably ready to move on. To be honest, I, you know, yeah. I think if he signs for one year, five million, then I can kind of see him. So coming back and filling the same role he did last year. If you give him a two-year deal, you're kind of asking him to be in the rotation. And, you know, how old is he? He's in his late 30s, right? 36, 37? Yeah, I I think he's a good fit for Kaufman, but I think you're right, Sean. He does kind of walk a tightrope every time he goes out. And, you know, you don't want to see him go all Bruce Chen or Jeremy Guthrie on you. You have to make an awkward decision of pulling him out of the rotation, even though he's making a good amount of money. So, yeah, I would probably – I think they should look for the next Chris Young. I think there are a couple names out there that they could probably, you know, guys that are high, high uh, reward, low risk kind of guys that they can get on a low base deal. Um, and you know, Dayton's done it once before, and, and he found a couple of gems actually, Madsen and Young, and, and he, arguably Kendris Morales and Volquez as well, though they're pricier. But uh, you know, I think I I think they could probably find a guy like that in uh, this year's free agent class. Rich Hill is his name. He's Rich Hill. Rich Hill's interesting name, yeah. That's who I want to champion. I've heard Matt Latos as well. Yes. I don't. I haven't looked too much into him, but I don't know how much he's going to cost either. But yeah. he's looked at the end of the year by the by the Dodgers, I think. And listeners, we're not trying to tease you, but we'll have more content, assumingly, for the next few weeks. Once, on once the hot stove heats up. Yeah. Um, hey, and you mentioned Alex Rios, who's obviously no longer royal. Um, I not that I got an argument about this, but I, some people were talking about this. <clears throat> We shouldn't just be looking, and this is the excuse, and I just want to see if you guys agree with this. Somebody said, well, we should sign X player because he's better than Rios. But we shouldn't be determining things based on this guy was better than this guy that sucked. We should just want, (laughs) you know, I don't feel like that's a valid excuse to sign, buddy. Am I too crazy on this? No, that's how we end up with Tony Pena Jr. as your shortstop because he's better than Angel Barroa, who was better than Avi Perez. And then we get Unieski Betancourt, who was better than Tony Perez. Like, that's not a good way to run your team. I agree. I, didn't, I just was thinking, and I, I didn't jump down the guy's throat. I was like, stop saying that. It doesn't matter if it's better than Rios. There's a lot that's better than Rios. So it's not – okay, good. We're on the same page. So don't re-sign Alex Rios or somebody just because they're better than Alex Rios. you think Eric Hosmer in the outfield would be better than Alex Rios in the outfield? No, I don't personally. <laughs> I think I think if yeah, I think his wins above replacement would be better because he's a better hitter. But I, I honestly no. I think Alex Rios is a better defender in right field than Eric. Eric well, Cosmer I mean, not, not defender, over, like overall. Oh, overall, yes, overall, yeah. Okay. Just 
just because Hosberg probably put up a 120, you know, WRC plus. But uh, no, defensively, not better than Rios. That's that's not an upgrade defensively, at least, which is kind of sad to say. But um, Ryan Madsen, we've got one more guy, Ryan Madsen, uh, free agent. But it seems like the Royals. They were mentioned on Darren O'Day, I think, earlier today. That's yeah, kind of that was curious. interesting. Yeah, so it seems like they don't really have an interest. It's kind of a thanks for your service. We'll see you later on Madsen. Even though, I mean, he really rebuilt his value. It seemed like he wouldn't be a bad guy to bring back, and he, I think he'd still be kind of cheap. Um, the Fangraph crowdsource says one year, five million. That's I think that's pretty palpable for Ryan Madsen. You, you know, probably don't want him for two years. Definitely not three. But I think a one year, five million dollars. I'd be happy to bring him back. Does his performance kind of in the postseason hurt his chances quite a bit? Because, I mean, I think the, the Royals seem to still like him as their late-inning guy, but, you know, he was pretty yeah. unreliable down the stretch. Whether that that's just because of his age or his back issues or just random luck, I don't know. But I wonder if that hurt his chances of coming back. I think teams, and I think player players, I think uh, fans will read too much into that. I, I think right, they'll, yeah. they'll see that. and. Um, you know, they don't care that Eric Cosmer was terrible in the playoffs, but they do care that Ryan Matson was terrible in the playoffs, right, or at least right. in the World Series. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but I would like to have him back. But um, what, do, what do we need to fill this offseason? Guys, how many? I, I think there's at least four. Um, I think we need at least two starters, probably at least one more reliever, uh, an outfielder. And do we need a backup infielder or someone, you know, Infante Insurance? Or how many holes do you think we have this offseason? So what's the, the rotation right now for next year would be Giordano, uh, yep. Volquez, Medlin is the number three right now? Yeah, is that right? Duffy. Or Duffy, Medlin. Duffy, somewhere. if they keep him in the rotation. Right. So that's uh, four. Which guys. I don't think is a given. Yeah. And then, an open, then you know, open spot, I guess. That's what you're saying. So, yeah, I agree, I agree probably one or two starters. I, I think that's – I would probably make starting pitching one of the bigger – um, priorities. To yeah. be honest, okay. I don't know if uh, that's where you want to put the most money because they've already plunged a lot of money in Volquez and and uh, uh, Vargas. But uh, yeah, I think I think you need to get another pretty good starter out there because Volquez or Ventura. I think they would have hoped he would be that ace by now, and he's been kind of inconsistent, you know. And um, he's a he's the kind of guy that could put together a really great season next year. But um, you kind of like to have one one guy that can kind of push him to be that number one. I think Matt, what do you think? Um, on I think the last podcast I was on, I was advocating them to um, uh, start, or at if not start, at least think about putting Kyle Zimmer into the rotation, um, pretty quick. Agreed. Um, yeah. Because, um, you know, we, we've talked about this before. His arm is is got limited power. And he has done really well um, at pretty much every place that he's been. Um, so, you know, before his battery fades, get some value out of him. Um, and so I think that if he's healthy, you really should do that. Or, you know, at least put him in midseason. So I would rather put my money into getting... Gordon Zobrist or both than getting a good starter because starting pitching is the one place where the Royals have some decent enough um, prospects because um, there's them there's Zimmer right um, got Amante yeah and and Amante yeah um, 
and those two are, you know, maybe not going to set the world on fire, but that's more than they have as far as position players, at least at the moment. So I wouldn't really spend that much money on a starter. I would concentrate on corner outfield, um, both spots, in my opinion. However, um, there is the issue with Zimmer's arm um, and innings, right? We, we sort of saw that with Matt Harvey and the circus that happened. Um, so I don't know if the Royals will actually go for it because they would be too afraid to put too many innings on his arm. So, you know, we'll see. Yeah, and the, or- uh, the Orioles are doing something similar with Dylan Bundy where he's rehabbing back from Tommy John. And I think he had, today he just got injured again, coincidentally today, um, much like our own Kyle Zimmer. Um, they're putting him into the bullpen. I mean, they're saying, you know what? We're out of options on you. You're on the 40 man. We can't, you need to, you have to stay in the major leagues. We're not going to, you know, expose you um, to the waivers there. And they're just stepping, sticking him in the bullpen. And I think I'm with you there that if they're going to just kind of roster him, then he needs to be in the rotation and go slow on him. But yeah, I mean, worst case is, he seems like he could be a capable number five guy. You know, if you're, if you're needing just your back any kind of guy that, you can maybe skip starts, you know, every few weeks or so on him. Just kind of a guy that is kind of the go-to, the the backup guy. When you talk about uh, filling the corner outfit spots too, what, what do you guys think about going with maybe Dyson and a right-handed platoon guy? Maybe going cheap for one of those outfield spots at least. I think is that is yeah. that something that you think they should do, or they think you think they will? Do? Yeah, I agree. And I was going to say one of our um, one of our. Uh, commenters uh, on the community there. Uh, John Lowridge uh, is his name. He's done a great piece about uh, filling from within, and I was going to bring that up about trying to fill within for uh, both second base and outfield. I think it just makes sense, and um, someone mentioned this a couple days ago that Dayton has just given up on the idea of platooning Dyson. They just don't see Mm -hmm. him as anything more than a fourth outfielder, which I don't think is valuing him correctly um but i would i would go chris young uh, uh the the former yankee i think he just came off the yankees but um you know he's on the diamondbacks he's been on several different teams i really like chris young um or steve pierce is another guy i would love to grab just uh a guy who can hit lefties and that's all he can do just now if you're looking lefties he you know he won't start that often you'll have dyson starting the majority of the time but yeah i would go internal with dyson and, and a platoon guy Someone on Twitter asked me if they thought Gerard Dyson would get non-tendered. <laughs> the fans, I think a lot of fans have a very low yeah. image of Dyson. I think they see him as just a pinch runner and not a good hitter at all and not a good defender even, which is kind of surprising. And it's insane yeah. that they love – and sorry, fans, who are listening to this who have this opinion. We don't mean to smash you, but it feels like but a you're lot wrong. of – Yeah, <laughs> it feels like a lot of people – why do they love Paulo Orlando so right, much? Right. But they hate Gerard Dyson. It, it, yeah. Switch that. It, it's I guess it's because of the, the the power. It must be because Orlando can a couple out and Dyson doesn't really hit home runs. But I can't. I mean, you look at their on base percentages are drastically different. I mean, especially if you look at their minor league track records. I yeah, I don't I don't get it either. And uh, uh, yeah, I I, I kind of like the idea of going kind of cheap in left field and and um, if Gordon goes and and using some. Some combination of, of either Zobrist and Dyson, or Zobrist and Dyson, and, and uh, I, I like Justin Ruggiano. Yeah, he's been he's been out there. He's, I think he's going to be really cheap because he got let go by uh, the Mariners last year. Uh, but there's some other names. I, th- I you know I like uh, 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 who's the name first name you mentioned? Uh, Chris Young. Chris Young. Yeah, Chris Young. I think he he may be a little pricier, but you know five million dollars, six million dollars, yeah. something like that per year. 
I think that's doable. He, he'd be a pretty good guy to have out there. Pierce, I think, would probably not fit their value on defense. I think sure uh, in the outfield, but uh, but yeah, I think something like that. I think should be able to get you know you should be able to find someone for a pretty good value. I think and, and platoon them with Dyson without much problem. And I think it would, I think it makes more sense. Um, I think five well whatever five and a half million whatever Dyson will make in minimum. That's that makes more sense, especially. Then signing Denard's band for four years, or signing—I um, can't think of the other outfielder. That's a, a free agent. That's, that's I think his uh, arbitration estimate on MLB trade rumors is like less than two million. So he's not. Dice is not going to make. Much oh yeah, money at all next right, year. right. I was thinking he wasn't our ready yet, but he is. You're right. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that makes way more sense than oh Dexter Fowler. Then signing Dexter Fowler for oh, four yeah. years for fifty million. Um, or and qualifying offer, he got a yeah. you know, draft pick for him too. Did Colby Rasmus? Did, I think did he get a QO too? It's, he did. It's so rather than getting these guys that you could get similar value by for cheaper value, cheaper draft pick, and um, not spend as much money on, on those guys. I think that's the way to go. Matt, you do you have a kind of a and even with second base or we already talked starting pitching. So is there somebody you kind of like internally maybe for second base or outfield that makes sense? I know you're a Bubba Starling fan. Um, I am too, by the way. Here's 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 my thought about the platoon. I love it. Be a great idea. It's not gonna happen. <laughs> right. It's just not gonna happen. So I'm I'm not gonna talk about you know. Do you hate it's, Christmas it's too? Not gonna happen. Do you know? <laughs> um, I hate those cups. Those darn Starbucks cups. Yeah. <laughs> um. Disclosure: I do not hate the Starbucks cups. Um. I, I just don't think a platoon is going to happen. We saw this last year that a perfect opportunity for it, and they chose Alex Rios. And I think McCullough yeah. um, stated it really well um, in a tweet. He said the Royals chose to go with um, Alex Rios in a 640 OPS right. over uh, a Dyson Orlando platoon. So this is not going to happen. And chose it's, it's, it's just not going to happen. Chose is a great word because it's not like he played for free or he paid us to play for. I mean, we gave him. $11 million to play. I mean, the Royals specifically said we're going to spend money. We almost wanted you for two years, theoretically, if you were good enough. So, yeah, I said to say that that's not happening, but I don't know. That's I can dream, I guess. Yeah, and I mean, there's there's no problem looking at it. It's just um, I just don't think that's, that's likely. Um, so after being depressed about that part of the question, what was your other part of the question? Are there anybody in uh, second base that I like or outfield within the system? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Anybody out there, uh, like I said, I mean, I'm a Starling fan. I know that, and you've said it and I've said it too, that you know, Starling just needs to have even just a barely below average bat or even you know, given his base running his defense. I'd rather run Starling out as a fourth outfielder than Paulo Orlando, I think. I would rather run Eibner or Martinez. Or arguably Merrifield and Orlando was the fourth outfielder, sure. but that that is maybe a discussion for another day. Yeah. The, the Cliff Notes version is that Paolo Orlando's 2015 was great, but entirely a mirage because he led the team in isolated slugging percentage. He is not a slugger. It was a fluke. It was a great fluke, and I loved the Orlando story, but he's going to be really terrible really yes. soon. Over 160 games, you know, or yep. whatever, you know, they're going to pay him. He's going to be he's really bad. Um, Agreed. I sound, well, I'm not as – I don't think I was down on him as, as you guys. I think he could still be a useful fourth or fifth outfielder. I think he's, his his pop – he's probably not – you know, have as much power as he showed this year, but he's not – I don't think he's – 
he's got good, good, I think, gap power. Uh, his biggest issue is just getting on base. He just can't. He's not a guy who gets on base. But for a guy that comes off the bench and can run a little bit, I, it's not the worst thing to have. You know, it's, I think I compared him uh, when we were out at the championship rally. I was talking to your brother, actually, Sean, and I compared him a little bit to David Lowe, just in his kind of fluky, late age, you know, stick around for a couple of years based on defense and, and speed, uh, yep. which, I, you know, and Lowe got, I think, designated for assignment this year. But, so that's probably in Orlando's future, but I don't think he's a terrible, terrible guy to have on your bench. Yeah, I mean, but as an option for a right-handed, like as somebody to talk about for handling right field, even a partial capacity, I like him as a fifth outfielder. Yeah, um, I don't. Yeah, I don't think he should be part of that. But um, I'm interested in both Eibner and Martinez more so. Um, Eibner, I think specifically because he's he's old for a prospect, but he's not like super old. He's 26. And he's an athletic guy with good defense and played center field earlier, you know, in the minors. Um, I think he's probably worth taking a flyer on and seeing, you know, how good is Eibner. I mean, he did really well last year. Um, And secondary to that, I'm really interested in to see what Jose Martinez actually is. Probably nothing, but... He has the AAA batting title in the history of AAA, so you know that counts for something, maybe. But you know, it's like uh, Andy McCullough kind of tweeted out though. It's like you're coming off a world championship. You don't typically give starting jobs or even platoon jobs to AAA 27 year olds, you know. So I, I, I just, yeah, I don't think the idea of that happening is probably about as likely as a platoon. I mean, I think. Yeah. What we're probably looking at is more likely what, what the Royals are actually going to do is probably sign the next Alex Rios. They're going to sign a guy yep. that's a major league veteran, is 35 years old or so, who has an established track record, but is at the end of his career, who they're gambling has one more decent year left. I mean, probably. That's probably what they're going to do. Yeah, it's really interesting, though, because we, we brought up Starling, and um, he had a good bounce back year. You know, people say, oh, he didn't have a good year, and that's, that's he, he, had, he had an okay year. Um, I would argue that he had a, a good year in uh, comparison to his previous years um, because, you know, he really struggled in, in high A and then he made the jump to double A and posted his best minor league season, you know. Um, it depends on what the the brain trust thinks about him, really. Um, if they think he's somebody who can take over midseason, then that may impact the way that they pursue um free agents you know they might they may cheap out or if they think that he's not going to be anywhere near ready maybe they spend more money to get someone who's a longer term you know a a fouler guy you know for good or or ill (laughs) so i'm just looking at the free agent list right now i just want to identify identify a few guys i think they may go after so franklin Gutierrez, age 30 he'll be 34 next year well, actually, you know, he got a nice comeback here and had some good pop and can play defense, so that wouldn't be—I yep. don't think that'd be terrible. Uh, Shane Victorino, I think he's a guy I can see them going after, age thirty-six next year. Uh, Frank Cora, probably. Not. I don't—I don't see a Jeff Frank Cora reunion in the. Pool. I would love that for about thirty <laughs> seconds. <laughs> okay, here's a guy. Okay, I think Sean, you tweeted this out today. How about Esop Song? That's my man, the Korean free agent. Um, I don't know much about him. So do you, I don't. Do you want to talk about him a little bit? Um, I don't know a ton about him, other than kind of 
they were talking about posting him back in the uh, in like midsummer, a few like two three months back. Um, the Korean team, I think he plays for the Giants out there. Mm-hmm. Um, no, killed it. He absolutely killed it this year. Huge OBP. Did everything you really want out of a hitter. I was watching some highlights on him today. Uh, probably about ten fifteen minutes worth of video and. I know you can't gather really much. You can't really scout much from videos and kind of understand a player. But I timed him from first base. I had him right around four seconds. So out of out of the left-handed box, that's like a sixty um, <clears throat> foot speed, maybe sixty-five or so. Um, seemed like he had a pretty good arm in, in right field. Is where he played for the Giants. Um, decent defender. I think at least look at average. Uh, of course, it's a highlight video, so you don't get to see his bad plays, but he didn't look to be too <laughs> slow out there. Um, looked like he got to pretty much uh, some balls hit in the corner. He got some balls in front of him there. Uh, had a great play where he threw out a runner, um, tagging up from third, kind of a testament to his arm. Swing-wise, though, I think I think you, I think you with Asian players, and I, I'm sorry if that comes off, you know, if that's not PC how to say, but you know, players from the Pacific, the Asian side, um, kind of the Asian leagues, the KBO, uh, the Japanese league, I think a lot of them get kind of hammered as either, um, <clears throat> basically, I think they get hammered as being like high contact Ichiro guys who maybe won't hit for power, but I really kind of like him. He's got a bit of like a hitch in his swing, if you, um, and I tweeted out a, a, a gif of that, and I think that. Um, there's going to be concerns as far as maybe catching up to major league velocity a bit, but of course he's 27. I think he's 27. He he's in his mid 20s at least, so it's not like he's an 18 year old. That you know, 28 years old. 28. Okay, so he doesn't have that much room to grow. But yeah, I mean, depending on how much those guys are always a mystery on how much they're going to get. But I, I think he'll be better than Aoki, and I know that's again probably racist to say, but I mean, you know, from that similar idea where you know the, the Royals went after a guy who kind of an unknown entity that way i think that yeah i i, I kind of like him for the right price you know i, I hate for the royals to spend 20 million dollars you know 10 million a year or so and then get oh i don't think korean free agents are gonna get nearly that much i, I think what gong gong oh, last yeah. year got what uh three million a year i think and he i mean he was a huge power hitter in korea so i don't think sun's gonna get i was thinking with with the posting oh fee. with the posting fee. yeah right um i don't know how much because Park signed today, or didn't sign, but I don't know if they said for the Twins maybe how much. Well, they have to negotiate the contract. They, they, the posting fee was $12.5 million, I think. Okay. okay. Now they have to negotiate a contract with him. Okay. So they but he, and he would be, he'd be the most premier free agent yeah. available. So I don't know where Sun fits I guess in that's true. comparison. So. Yeah, he wasn't. Because what they're going to do, the, the Giants have two different free agents. They've got, or they've got two guys. They've got... Uh, son who is eligible for free agency, I think either this year or next year, but another guy that they want to post. It, it, it basically, if they can't get enough money for Son, they'll pull him back and they'll mm. post another guy. Um, yeah. So I think it might not even be a given that he's going to you know get posted officially, but um, I still think that he's something that the Royals could should explore because you know what I'm always willing to bet on twenty uh, seven year olds who. His triple slash line in KBO, and keep in mind those um, Asian leagues are usually going to be inflated offensive wise. Uh, he hit three thirty three, four oh nine, four seventy six. Um, so what's that like a one fifty or one forty or so? Um, I, let me do the quick ISO math. But anyways, great OBP uh, ISO wise one forty three ISO, so above average or basically pretty close to average at least, uh, or slightly above. I, I like that. I mean. 
you always wonder. It's definitely not going to translate perfect like that, but I kind of like from the look of them and kind of the the little scouting that I know how to do, just barely. Um, I like them. I think it'd be a cool option. Uh, be exciting, at least. Yeah, we can always, you know, maybe give uh, it'll give Sungwoo another uh, reason to come over to the United States and cheer on a fellow countryman. So <laughs> I totally, I always forget about sweet Sung Sungwoo. Sungwoo, <laughs> if you're listening, man, just keep it, keep it going. Um, he wasn't here for the parade. Uh, no, he wasn't here. That would have been cool if he was here for the parade. But yeah, yeah. we were all at the parade, um, parade, which unfortunately wasn't a plaza parade. Um, if you're not a Royals fan... I feel deceived. Yeah. If you're not a Royals fan, that's the thing. We always thought the parade was going to be at the Plaza. Google, Kansas City Plaza, whatever. But anyways, um, do you guys have any takeaway? I mean, what was the what was your cool moment overall for the whole thing? If you had to narrow it down, I didn't stay for all of it. Um, I watched some of it from lovely Green Room Burger and had an awesome beer and a burger. <laughs> but um, what did you guys take away? Anything awesome, kind of fun moments or anecdotes from that? Well, what was cool for me is that um, one of our riders, Matt Jackson, mm. uh, who's a Royals fan in Toronto, he decided he wanted to be at the parade and he needed a place to say. And I offered my my uh, Royals Review couch, which yes. has now hosted three different riders at Royals Review at one time or another. Uh, but he uh, he drove 15 hours straight from Toronto, showed up, at my, uh, showed up at my door the morning of the rally. <laughs> and we, uh, we went up to the parade and... Uh, I felt bad because I I wasted an hour and a half of his trip in Kansas City at the uh, Waldo bus station waiting for a bus that never came. So we ended up driving up there, and um, then when we got there, it was kind of it was just it was an insane amount of people, and we were supposed to meet up with people at the Liberty Memorial, but of course by the time we got there, it was just a wall of humanity that you just could not get past. Yes, um, and I brought my seven year old son uh, who. You know, I put him on my shoulder so he could see a little bit of the parade, but eventually it got it got a little too intense for us, so we kind of had to skedaddle. So I love Matt Jackson uh, with eight hundred thousand Royals fans in a city he did not know very well, yeah. with no cell service because None. cell phones weren't working. And I was like, "Are you sure you're okay?" And he said he was fine. So I said, "Well, you know, I uh... text or call me if you have any issues." <laughs> and I left him. I left him to eight hundred thousand people and Johnny Gomes. So. He got a hold of me actually. That's good. And he walked from. And for those of you who are familiar with Kansas City, he walked from. Basically, you guys were right around Union Station, so he walked from Union Station, which is like Twentieth Street or so, all the way down to Westport where I was. So he walked twenty blocks. Well, just about twenty blocks. Yeah, um, down to me. And I said, I said, Matt, dude, just go find Main Street, start walking south. I'll see you in like forty-five minutes. He goes, okay. And so, just went and walked. <laughs> Bless his heart. I, I you had such a laid-back attitude yeah. about it. And he's like, just you know, what do you think of a Canadian? I guess just very easy going. Yes, very much so. And uh, and he's been on the podcast. I think listeners, you should be kind of familiar with him. I think he's been on the podcast or two. But yeah, Matt uh, had, had a great time. And as Max mentioned, Max met my brother. We met a couple other. Um, Royals Review uh, commenters and writers, Minda, Minda, one of our uh, our Omaha residents, she was there, uh, as well as a few others. Matt, what was uh, what was your fun moment? Did you go with your wife? I we did. Um, she works at James B Nutter, um, and they and James B Nutter being James B Nutter, um, they basically declared it a, a holiday. Nice. Um, and so she said, "Take the day off." And I did, and we just totally underestimated how many people there were going to be. Oh yeah, just so 
underestimated it. We didn't really have that that all great of a time, um, honestly. Um, but you know, that's sort of to be expected. Like, I think the people that got there at nine or ten or whatever, you know, they had a good time and they were able to see some stuff. But if you got there after eleven, you know, there's no way you had much oh, of no. anything, you know. Um. Yeah, so we we walked all the way from Kemper Arena up the hill to um, Union Station, um, which is a lot of walking. Um, and we saw maybe twenty minutes of a parade that we could couldn't see anybody's faces. Wait, you guys but, park, you parked at Kemper? Yeah, I, th- there was supposed to be a shuttle um, that went from Kemper to. Uh, Union Station, dude. That's oh. a that's a really far walk. Now, that, I mean, like <laughs> that, like runs parallel. I mean, like so you had to like go under thirty five and seventy just to get up the Kemper there, right? I mean, you have to take a highway to go from that point usually to the other point. Well, yeah. So if yeah, Twelfth Street, there's this big big bridge which is Twelfth Street, and again going to Kansas City, which is on a hill. Yeah, right. That's um, thinking, yeah, Twelfth Street all the way up, Jeez. and then um, over, like you said, down to twentieth. Um, and then over from, you know, uh, whatever street that is all the way over to, um, to Maine. So it was, it was a walk. It was a walk. Um, and then our parking lot didn't empty out for, I'm not kidding you, like a good hour and a half to two hours where nobody was moving. Um, so it was kind of hellish. However, it was really cool. The thing you said to take away it was really cool seeing everybody there, you know, like that's not a thing that lots of cities, you know, that happens. And, you know, so, sure. Some of it's related to the fact that the Royals haven't won a world series in 30 years, but you know, people were excited and the whole city had this, you know, energy about it. And it was, it was just, it was a cool event, you know, and people will be talking about this parade for years, decades, you know, um, do you do you remember the parade in 2015? Like, yeah, I was there. You know that that sort of thing. So, I was happy I was there. The experience itself wasn't all that great, but with an estimated 800,000 people, you know, that'll happen. It's okay. Yeah, there better be some babies born in August. There better be some babies that were made on on that day on that parade day because that's that was a, a very not a big headache, but. There were a, a lot of people, and there were I saw a lot of drunks, and Max and I, um, and, and Matt uh, Jackson, kind of went out. Well, Max didn't go out, but a lot of people went out. And Max met us out later at the bars, and there were a lot of people who, for what was it, a Tuesday? Yeah, for a Tuesday, we're we're having a pretty pretty good Tuesday <laughs> to uh, to start start the week off. And I imagine there was probably some people who were unfortunately sick uh, into work the next day. Uh, but yeah, it was definitely packed and. Uh, my brother and I, we, we planned to meet, and I'm sorry, Royals reviewers, I know that I said, hey, let's all meet at 11, and I was not there at all by 11. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> end up getting there till noon, given how packed the traffic was, uh, but we just pulled up on some person's, um, like, drive, not driveway, on their, their, like, side grass on this really back neighborhood in Truce, very scary little area, but yeah, we had to walk, and a lot of walking, but... Uh, Matt, you said you, did you guys did you guys stay for the whole time? I'm sorry, I must have missed that. No, we did not. What time did you guys did you guys even hang? Did you see the parade or did you see anything? Yeah, we okay. saw the tail end of the parade. Okay. Um, we were by the end of it, um, so we saw it after it had made its whole rounds, so and we saw the people walking into Union Station. Oh, right. Okay. So that, that was nice. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty fun. Obviously, Johnny Gomes was the kind of star of the show, and man, that guy's got 
two World Series rings now, and I don't know how many at-bats he's got in the major leagues the past two years. Let's give me two seconds. Let's look it up because I feel like <laughs> I feel like nobody in the history has ever done as little effort as he has yet has two rings. Looks like uh, 100 and – yeah, you know what? He actually did play it for the Red Sox for like almost full time. That's right. And then played a bit this year. So a little off on that, but still good for him having two rings. Um Cool. Well, we're, of course, going to have a lot more content coming up uh, over the next uh, months as Max it as the stove starts heating up. Uh, what did we miss, uh, everybody? Anything, any points we missed tonight talking about? Anything on the back of your mind? Uh, I'd just like to say that uh, the hashtag Will Myers to KC is yes. going to be attempted. Look for more on that uh, coming soon from uh, esteemed writer uh, Matthew Lamar. Always – see – we all we have to come up with a certain amount of clickbait articles every every month, <laughs> readers. Just so you know, and so by my mandate, yeah, Max mandated we have to have clickbait right uh, articles. So look out for that one, uh, Max. Anything you you've got going? Uh, no, I actually I'm taking this week off. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> I guess that means next week I got to come back refreshed with some uh, some good content. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll be covering all the trades and uh, probably be taking a look back on each player individually how yeah. they did this year. Um, hey, is the baseball uh, simulation starting soon? We'll do. We'll be doing the simulation next week, um, which will be interesting because we've already actually had a big trade in in baseball this week uh, with the Mariners and Rays, and so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Old Man Dugan uh, does with the Royals this year. He's he's run the Royals uh, in our simulation the last couple of years and has had some interesting results. So we'll have yeah. to see if he can match Dayton Moore's uh, championship transactions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so stick around. Um, keep reading we definitely appreciate everything especially and max can maybe provide the numbers on this if he wants to get into it but the past two months or so i think we've been one of the more popular sb nation blogs especially for baseball so i think from all the writers from max uh, overlord and even uh, justin bopp um, who's kind of the the main guy for sb nation baseball we just want to say thanks to you guys for uh reading uh you know you know Definitely this ride has been great. We couldn't have done it without you. We didn't do anything. I'm sorry. We couldn't have enjoyed it as well as we, we did. We did about as much as Johnny Gomes. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> That's uh, a good point. We were on the same playoff roster as Johnny Gomes was. Uh, <laughs> we had the same amount of you know appearances on it. So, yeah, um, Max can Max and Matt, can we definitely give a hearty shout-out to our, our readers? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Um, I've always said the readers. The readers in the community is what made what has made Royals Review really cool and interesting. Um, so, yeah. Otherwise, we're just you know in our basement with our parents and pop tarts shouting into the void. Yeah, Professor Calculator is. Uh, yes, that's right. I am Professor yeah. Calculator. Yeah. Now, what's really been cool for me is when seeing the city and the Royals community for people that don't live in Kansas City, like Minda, drove in from Omaha, or Matt that drove in from Toronto. Is you know seeing how all these Royals fans do come together and, and it, you know that rally was you know the Royals won the championship and there's like no riots no yeah people turning over cars <laughs> there was only three arrests uh, you know for eight hundred thousand people at a rally um, and it's just been really cool to see how the city came together and how Royals fans have come together there's been a lot of really cool fan posts about how people experienced the championship from all around the country like some guy wrote from San Diego about how impressed he was with Kansas City. Yeah. So it's been it's been really cool. Yeah, I agree. It, it, this wouldn't have been, you know, half as cool without the community that we have at Rose Review. And I'm glad I've gotten to meet a lot of the readers and writers uh, over the last year. So it's it's been a really neat experience. And I'm I'm yeah I'm very thankful that we have the cool community that we have. Yeah, I guarantee if you got eight it, it, 
I guarantee you that if you put eight hundred thousand people in the in a five block radi or five mile radius of each other, there's no way you're going to get more than three arrests. This is one of those times that's anomaly <laughs> because there's no way you can get that many people and not have somebody fight or steal. And like even when like I think when like Kentucky lost like the NCAA championship um, or, or got knocked out of a round or something, I mean students were burning cars. They were flipping. I mean the World Series title I feel like trumps an NCAA title and. People were just mayhem. I mean, it was end of days kind of stuff. So it's, it's really amazing that you know everybody kept cool and just wanted to have a good time, um, which is the the, the de facto mod, motto for Royals Review: just trying to have a good time. So, okay, well, readers, um, listeners, in this case, uh, thanks for listening. Um, like I said, stick around. We'll have uh, more content coming over for the next uh, several months. There, hopefully, good moves, uh, but definitely stuff to talk about. Um, if nothing else, uh, Matt, Max, myself, we're signing off and uh, have many, many uh, good days. <laughs> <laughs>